0: This afternoon I preached to you the word of God as we read it in Exodus 20 verse 15 you shall not steal that's the eighth commandment begins off with the introduction that I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery and our confession concerning this eighth commandment is found in Lord's Day 42 of the Heidelberg Catechism which you can find in the book of praise on page 557 Here, the church confesses, what does God forbid in the eighth commandment? God forbids not only outright theft and robbery, but also such wicked schemes and devices as false weights and measures, deceptive merchandising, counterfeit money, and usury. We must not defraud our neighbor in any way, whether by force or by show of right. In addition, God forbids all greed and all abuse or squandering of his gifts. What does God require of you in this commandment? I must promote my neighbor's good wherever I can and may. Deal with him as I would like others to deal with me, and work faithfully so that I may be able to give to those in need. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that principal message of the eighth commandment is found in many places uh, in the law and the prophets and the wisdom literature, the gospels and the pastoral letters. And all these different parts of scripture often give warnings about the dangers of money for our spiritual well-being. It can be dangerous. We even sang that in Psalm 62 the question, why set your heart on on earthly splendor? And if we look at the different warnings, you can kind of group them into three major groups. A major warning against wealth can be seen when the Lord condemned a nation. The nation was Tyre, it's in uh, Ezekiel 28. He warned them, he said, don't be proud in your wealth. They were condemned because they were proud in the wealth that they had obtained they had great wisdom in trade and they got rich and and they also became proud and that's because wealth gives a person a feeling of power on the earth and it's not unusual to see people give money and material possessions divine power in their lives the second repeated warning in Scripture, makes it clear that the love of money is idolatry. Don't, don't give it that divine power. It makes it an idol. Our Lord Jesus said very clearly, and we don't have to go into it all right now, but just think about this for, for the next little while, that you cannot be devoted to money and at the same time be devoted to God. In Hebrews 13, verse 5, you saw it as you walked in. and It was displayed here on on the wall, that display text of today. It sets the love of money in opposition to serving God, to trusting in God. Job concluded that those who rejoiced because of their wealth, because their wealth was abundant, He said that's a a form of being false to God above. That's in Job chapter 31. Just rejoicing because your wealth is abundant. He said that's being false to God. The sad thing is that all those who exchange the worship of God to chase after earthly riches, they're chasing after something that is so fleeting. That's the third warning in Scripture. It keeps telling us it's, the, the, the satisfaction of, of money is fleeting. Proverbs 18, verse 11, calls earthly wealth an imaginary wall, something that gives you an imaginary source of feeling secure. And think about it, right? Gold is just a created metal. Money is really just paper with ink on it earthly riches no matter what you have think about some of your earthly riches well they cannot speak they cannot hear they cannot love they cannot last proverbs 23 warns about sacrificing your faith your relationships and your enjoyment of life in order to acquire wealth and then it it says something i think is memorable also for children it says, wealth, when your eyes light on it, it is gone for suddenly it sprouts wings flying like an eagle toward heaven. The Money flies away. When you try to get it it keeps flying away. In the scripture passage we read from Matthew 6, our Lord Jesus also warned us that earthly treasures are quickly destroyed by moth and rust. And then the lord jesus makes it very clear so if you're gonna make a choice between treasures here on earth making making money your god making that your everything or or choosing the opposite the next option treasures in heaven that's serving the one true eternal god Well, he didn't say it but we can see it it's really a no-brainer we want what lasts we want what's eternal and so there's a lot of dangers and warnings about material Goods, but the fact of the matter is, we still need them. We still need food. We still need clothing. We still need shelter. We still need transportation to to do our tasks. God made us as creatures who who need to eat. We say we're going to sing this Psalm 145. We we're lifting up our eyes because we need the food for the day. We need we have material needs. And then after the fall into sin, when People were living in all different climates, and their animals all of a sudden became uh, dangerous. It's clear that also clothing is needed and shelter is needed. And so the eighth commandment does not say, "You shall not have material goods." But it says, "You shall not steal." That commandment calls us to know what is ours and what is not ours, to discern between what God has given to us for use in his kingdom and what God has not given to us. It calls us to just use what God has given to us. The gospel of the Eighth Commandment is that you never need to steal because in his perfect wisdom, God provides the material needs that you have to worship him, the material gifts that you need to to worship Him. And that's the the theme of the message this afternoon. Theme of the Eighth Commandment, the Lord gives us the material gifts that we need to worship Him. And we'll see in the first place that the Lord wants His children to receive His gifts. If I could emphasize the His. The second point, Jesus Christ receives God's gifts for us and in our place. And in the third place that the Holy Spirit helps us to receive God's gifts with thankfulness. So the Lord wants his children to receive his gifts. That's very clearly uh, the center part of the Eighth Commandment. That's the gospel of the Eighth Commandment, is that God has given us what we need to worship him. And now he wants us to receive these gifts from his hand rather than grab and take what we think we need from other sources other places God's material gifts are made especially to suit the creatures that he made his gifts satisfy the physical needs of the body but also the longing for beauty in the eye aesthetic appeal is important also in the gifts that God gives and his gifts satisfy the longing for understanding in our minds, and the longing for peace and contentment in the soul. When the Lord God made the world, he didn't just give the basic necessities of food and water, which he could have done by placing, you know, having strategic intravenous IV injection sites that you just go to and plug in and get your basic necessities. The Lord didn't do that. In fact, we read in Genesis chapter 2 that he gave us trees, and then it's two, two parts of those trees. They were pleasant to the sight, and they produced food that was pleasant in its variety. He wants us to see that life is more than just food, and the body more than clothing. That's what he says in Matthew 6, verse 25, again in Luke 12, verse 23. And so God told Adam and Eve where to go, not just to find food, not just to find beautiful trees, but to find gold and onyx stones. Gold is a precious metal. It's jewelry. (laughs) Onyx stones, it's, it's again precious stones. And you see that God's, material gifts are not just there to make sure we survive but he wants his creatures to thrive in creation and so he gives us gifts that are so wonderful for the creatures that he made and he wants us to receive these gifts his gifts because the gifts that he gives are excellent they're the gifts of the creator for his creature they're a blessing for our bodies for our souls for our minds and because he's determined exactly what we need now when we consider where god placed his gifts we can also see how he wants us to receive his gifts we've seen they're special they're unique they're gifts for us and so we say well where where are these gifts and if we look right away in creation we can see that god embedded these material gifts in creation. And so God wants us to do some work to extract the gifts for ourselves. God didn't place peeled cord fruits into the mouths of his creatures, but he made a tree to grow. Gold was not found already processed in, in rings of different sizes. Deuteronomy 8 tells us that the Lord told his people he said the copper is is there in the hills you gotta dig it out so receiving the gifts of the Lord involves work involves participation on our part that's how we receive the good gifts of God it's interesting to see that sometimes God also just gives gifts gift that no one uh, worked for you can think of the exodus from Egypt Exodus 11, the Lord told Moses, tell the Israelites to ask their Egyptian neighbors for silver and gold jewelry. And then when you read in Exodus 12, verse 36, when they're leaving, the Egyptians just gave it to the Israelites. It was a a gift that they hadn't worked for, and God received that, and he used those gifts also later for the tabernacle. Again, you can see in, in the time of wars when the Lord sent out his people to, to conquer the land, the promised land, they received the spoil of war. And the Lord even received the tithe of the spoil of war. It was a gift given to his people as they carried out their task. And so we recognize that everything they received, everything God's people received, really was a gift that is given tribute to God and he wants his people to use these gifts to serve his kingdom. Now at the same time, since the the gifts that God gives, these material gifts were extracted, that just means taken, taken out of creation or they were channeled through other nations who who gave them over these gifts were always given for the benefit of the community of believers. The Lord's purpose, He always gave the gifts in the context of community. And then we can see that God wants His material blessings to be distributed and shared among us all as we serve Him in different tasks. You just think about that a second. You see, Eve received her gift not from taking it directly out of creation herself. But because she was married to Adam, Adam worked, and then we read that, that uh, Adam received the gift by extracting them from the ground. And then Eve, at least when she was focused on bearing and raising her children, she received gifts through the community that the Lord had formed. So there's several different ways that we as God's people receive gifts from His hand. And as we look at the commands against stealing, and against theft, we can see that God wants us only to receive the gifts that he gives to us. And so we have to carefully see how did these gifts come to me, are these legitimate gifts. Because only the legitimate gifts are useful to us. Only the Lord knows how to give good gifts to us. He knows what we can handle, what we can't handle. He knows the effects of giving us more or less. He knows how he should give gifts to us. And we don't need to question his wisdom or reject his plan for our lives by outright theft or by robbery or wicked schemes or devices or fraud. You can see the catechism answer in there, all the different ways of rejecting God's plan. You see, the Lord wants us to enjoy, he wants his children to enjoy the material gifts that you have in your life with a clear conscience and a thankful heart. Remember that the riches of God is much more than just having something in your hand. It also has to do with your soul. It has to do with your mind. It has to do with the, the, the peace in your life. It has to do with the community. And the Lord wants you to have joy in your material gifts, rather than being constantly guilty for feeling constantly guilty or sad for exploiting others, and you can just think about that a second. It's it's uh, the difference there. If you have gifts with a clear conscience or or not, you know maybe a, a, somebody who sells drugs and and causes ha- lives a violent life might be driving a, a Corvette and having you know if you like Corvettes I guess some fancy luxury car let's keep it broad and have a fancy trailer and and a fancy fancy boat and have a house on on the ocean and and on the outside it looks like he actually has a a lot of good things but does he have the peace that comes of being a human being and then we see that it when those who take gifts take things away for themselves at the cost of others They don't have the fullness of God's blessing. And so Proverbs 15 says, Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than a great treasure and trouble with it. Better is a dinner of herbs, some translations have vegetables, where love is than a fattened ox, Alberta beef, of course, and hatred with it. Nothing we can covet will bring us more satisfaction than what God has decided to give. He wants us to know that. And so he says, don't steal. You shall not steal. God wants you to have a fullness of life and a full enjoyment of the material possessions that are in your hand. And he wants you to live with an unwavering assurance that what he gives is sufficient for our needs that's what we see in the life of our Lord Jesus Christ that's righteousness to the eighth commandment that's visible in Christ Jesus life he received God's gifts for us and in our place Luke chapter 6 verse 3 suggests that our Lord Jesus worked as a carpenter before he officially was anointed by the Holy Spirit as the Christ, the Anointed One. And that means that our Lord Jesus depended on others around him for extracting resources from creation to fabricate the building products that he needed. And that when he was interacting with others in these business dealings, he was obeying the Eighth Commandment perfectly. Jesus Christ's words to the man who wanted his brother to share the inheritance with him, that's in Luke 12, showed that Jesus never coveted what belonged to others in the distribution of wealth. When we repent of the sin of being unfair, of being cheap, in our business dealings with others because of our own greed then we can be comforted to see that our Lord Jesus received his gifts in accordance with the eighth commandment he received the profit that God had prepared for him through honest negotiation through through fair treatment honest treatment of others he obeyed the eighth commandment perfectly For us and in our place. That righteousness, brothers and sisters, is our righteousness when we believe in Jesus Christ. It's the righteousness that God judges us on because we believe in Jesus Christ. And if you have sinned against the eighth commandment, you can confess your sins, you can repent, and you can run to the Lord Jesus who saves you, who renews your heart. When he lived on the earth, you can see the Lord, the, his Father in heaven, didn't make it easy for our Lord Jesus to be content and to trust in Him. And so, the Lord Jesus even warned people who wanted to follow Him as His disciples. What did He say to them? He said, "Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay His head." But recognizing His Father's will to make Him poor in order that others might be spiritually rich, our Lord Jesus, who could make money appear in the mouth of a fish, he submitted himself to God's plan for his life. And instead of being some rich tycoon, he received support from the women who equipped Jesus and his disciples out of their own means. That's Luke 8, verse 3 in his righteousness and his obedience to the eighth commandment the Lord Jesus shows that sometimes the Lord wants very righteous people to focus their lives on things that don't give them time to labor in the workforce or to have a business our Lord Jesus obeyed the eighth commandment when he received material gifts that came to him from his father in heaven Through the communion of Saints even though they possibly required more humility to receive even especially for the king of heaven and so when we repent of the sin of being too proud to receive the gifts that God decides to give to us through the body of believers or when we are sincerely sorry for getting so anxious in our need that we stop trusting in God and we try to steal money for ourselves, maybe by evading taxes or cheating the system in some way or another. And when we fight against these sins, then we can turn to Jesus Christ and we can see his righteousness. He obeyed the eighth commandment. By trusting in the Lord to provide for him when he didn't know what was coming. And when our Lord Jesus received such gifts, he also taught that an underlying principle of the eighth commandment is that all material gifts belong to God's kingdom. And none of and, and, and none truly belong to any one individual. When Jesus urged his followers to do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, that's in Luke six, verse thirty-five. And then the the skill-testing question is, what Psalm would that refer to as well? And then you remember this morning, Psalm Psalm fifteen, verse five: No usury. Give, a righteous man will give without expecting anything in return. The Lord Jesus also told us in Luke twelve to be rich toward God. Rather than laying up treasures for ourselves, he made it very clear that each one of us, including himself as the righteous one, is a steward of the material gifts that God directs our way. If you look at Luke 12, there's that parable about the rich man. Worked and worked, and he got really rich, and he said, "Well, what am I going to do?" And so he built barns, and everything was going to go 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 well for him. And he was just stacking up the money. And then it comes to the conclusion. You know what happened to that man, right? He, he died alone and apart from God. And the Lord Jesus told this parable with the conclusion that only a fool will think that material gifts are for him alone. Only a fool will not share the material gifts that God gives With others. Only a fool will not recognize that they really don't belong to him. And so when we repent of the sin of believing that we have first dibs on the money that we receive, when we fight against the sin of greed, when we're saddened by our sinful tendency to be stingy, then we can look to Jesus Christ that's the gospel he obeyed the eighth commandment perfectly he never allowed material gifts to become more important to him than god or god's kingdom our lord jesus gave up the glory of heaven the riches of the of being in the presence of god to become dependent on the material gifts that he received from God through the loving sisters of the church. He shows us what it means to trust in the wisdom of God who gives us what we need by seeking first the kingdom of God. He came to serve his neighbor first of all, even though it meant that he had to receive charity. His gift of himself, as a sacrifice for our sin stands as a picture for us of what it means to receive the material gifts we need from God's hand so that we may worship Him with our whole life he gave us His spirit so that we may respond to him in thankfulness and the Holy Spirit now helps us to receive God's gifts with thankfulness the Holy Spirit leads us in obedience to the eighth commandment so that we see how God gives us the material possessions that we need. How is God giving us material possessions? So, God ordained it that work will be done. And so, the Holy Spirit leads us to do our work with diligence and thankfulness to God, thankfulness for the opportunity. And whether we earn a wage directly or we are cooperating in that wage by supporting others in their labors and the in the fellowship of believers we can see the hand of God behind our material gifts and even when the Lord gives us gifts that we have not earned in any way like an inheritance or as it was I guess in Alberta in days gone by a special government bonus when we have these gifts that come out of out of nowhere the Holy Spirit helps us to see these are gifts from God's hand to be used for his kingdom. They're not to be considered our own personal treasures. And when the Holy Spirit gives us this perspective, we're not envious. We we don't uh, we're not envious of the covetous person who is willing to cut off relations with his brother who is willing to fight over an inheritance. And we're not Envious of the lonely fool who dies alone and rich but apart from God because he spent his whole life trying to lay up treasure for himself. The Holy Spirit shows us what a blessing it is to earn our wages and to receive God's gifts in fellowship with each other. And then we, rem- we understand what the Lord was saying. He said that, that wealth is more than the abundance of possessions. Wealth is blessings in the community. And when the Holy Spirit then leads us in the Eighth Commandment to receive God's gifts, he also makes us discerning so that we do not have any desire for false substitutes. So we have our, our Bibles open. And we can analyze the gifts that are coming into our lives, and we can ask the question are these gifts from God? And the scriptures make it clear that any type of wealth that comes as a result of unfair wages, or oppression, or fraud, or deceptive merchandising, or usury, or intimidation, that's not legitimate wealth. And so we know that the Holy Spirit will never lead us to gain income in these ways and if we're doing that we're actually fighting against God who lives within us who dwells within us when we have the Holy Spirit and we desire to only receive what God has ordained for us and nothing more because we trust in God and we see that it's sufficient the consequence of this, and it's very down-to-earth consequence, is that we will investigate the companies that we invest in and that we shop in. We'll learn about the origin of the products we buy. Maybe when you get home, but you can open it now, James 5, uh, verses 1 to 6. When you shop, when, when you do your business, think of James 5, verse One to six. That's where the Lord is saying, I'm hearing the cries of the laborers. And so the question we always have to ask is when you buy something, if you go to a store, you buy a book, you go to a a store, you buy shoes or bananas. If you're in socials 10 with Mr. Melista, the question of globalization and where did those bananas come from? How did they get on your how did they get on your table? The question always is. Have the wages of the laborers been paid or have they been kept back by fraud? Are we today fattening ourselves in a day of slaughter, living in luxury and self indulgence at the cost of the exploitation of other humans? So, where do our shoes come from? How did these bananas get on our table? Are these material things that God has given to us that we can use to worship Him? Or they are they things that we have grabbed for ourselves in greed? The Spirit asks leads us to ask those questions. Isaiah one verse fifteen to seventeen, looking at this question of relationships and, and wealth, says our asks the question, Are we lifting up blood stained hands in our prayers? The prayerful work of the deacons in our congregation is guided by the Holy Spirit. He leads us in obedience to the Eighth Commandment. And the passing of the collection bag, the offering bag, during the worship service, it stands as a picture of obedience to the Eighth Commandment. It it shows us in in a very clear way what the Spirit leads us to. For after receiving the material gifts from the hand of God, working those six days in several different ways, we now have a day of rest when we gather together in the fellowship in the community of the faith, and we bring our gifts to the community of believers as an offering to God, so that our gifts may be distributed among those who have need distributed in his kingdom for his glory. And then we see how faithful deacons who are praying to the Lord for wisdom, they are tools in the hand of the Holy Spirit to help us not to steal from God by hoarding the material gifts that God has given us, and instead they help us to use these gifts in God's kingdom to help the needy, to support the ministry, the preaching of the gospel. And when we are in need, when we are unable to meet our financial responsibilities to God and his church, the Holy Spirit helps us to see that God also uses the communion of saints to provide us with what we need, just as he did with our Lord Jesus. And so, it's nothing to be ashamed of, it's something to give thanks to to God for, the receiving through the communion of saints. It's happening all the time. On the other hand, when God gives us the heavy responsibility of an overabundance, then the Holy Spirit also shows us that generosity and sharing is, is nothing that we should feel ashamed of either. Sometimes we really draw attention to the personal factor by insisting that gifts are anonymous. But if we truly believe that money and wealth are never really ours, then anyone who receives an abundance will see these riches as a call from God to be an instrument in his hand to simply pass on these material gifts in the furtherance of his kingdom. And then we see that generosity is not worthy of special praise as if you as a Christian had any other option. In the same way that having faith or worshiping God or singing praises to the Lord is not worthy of special distinction. Is there really anything else a Christian led by the Holy Spirit could do but to share the material gifts he has received with others for the furtherance of the kingdom for the glory of his name and the holy spirit continually focuses our attention on jesus christ who gave up the riches of heaven and became poor so that we might be able to enjoy all the material gifts that god has given to know that life is more than the abundance of possessions the holy spirit gives us an urgent desire to use the material gifts that God gives to us, the gifts that we know will be destroyed by moth and rust if you sit there holding on to them. James 5 talks about that. To use that to ensure that all God's people may have what they need to worship him with their heart, their soul, their mind, their strength. Those who receive God's material gifts with their eyes on Jesus Christ, perfect service, and their hearts on his kingdom will trust that these gifts are sufficient for their lives. They will never be proud of their wealth or rejoice because of the abundance of their possessions as if it showed anything about themselves They will not replace God with their wealth because they know that God is the one who has given it. And so when the Holy Spirit leads us in obedience to the Eighth Commandment, He makes us humbly receive the material gifts, the tools as tools that we have now to serve him with. Praise the Holy Spirit who helps us to receive God's Material gifts with thankfulness for his glory. Amen.